0: Welcome back to the Round Guy the Podcast. As uh, uh, uh we have a very special to the
1: podcast. Dave hey, uh, Johnson, Justin, Mrs.
0: Johnson's uh, favorite son. Anyway, we have a very special guest today with us who is going to talk to us about Rocky Marciano who uh on Sunday, August 31st at 805 uh crashed a, was in a Cessna that crashed near Newton, Iowa in the past year. Uh, and ended the life of this great man. Uh, we have with us uh, not only the round guy, but uh, one of the round guy's best friends in the world, Willie Fredo yeah. Farrell, whose brother was on the flight, and he's going to give us a little insight about the show. Welcome to the program, Willie. Nice to be on, fellas.
2: How you
1: doing? I like I like
0: the podcasting.
1: I like the way you do it. All, I'm all pumped up. now. <laughs> Willie! Willie, we know that it. Say uh, a sad story. You lost your brother in this plane crash, right. but uh, outside of of the Buddy Holly crash up in Clear Lake, yeah. where Buddy Holly, uh, Richie Havens, and the Big Bopper and the pilot right. uh, died tragically, many people in Iowa don't realize and don't recall that there was another plane crash that took right. the life of your brother. Uh, yeah. the, the, uh, pilot and, uh, the heavyweight boxing champion, Rocky Marciano. And the only undefeated, undefeated, untied heavyweight of all time. There still hasn't been one like that. So. Okay. Well, uh, what, what would you like you to do, Willie, is for our listeners and us, as far as that goes, uh, educate us as to why the plane was coming to Des Moines, uh, what was involved with the crash i know you've been out there i took some friends out and visited yeah. the crash site myself uh, and it's it's uh, there's no marker nothing to verify no. this tragedy uh, but tell us uh, your side of everything that happened uh relative to this plane crash and it took the lives of was it three people on board? Was there
2: three more people. than that? It was, uh, it was uh, my brother Rocky and the pilot, uh, a guy by the name of Glenn Belt, uh, was killed also in, in the crash.
1: Uh, and they
2: were they were headed to Des Moines, correct? Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll give you a brief uh, a brief history of how it all came about. Uh, back when Rocky was fighting back in the uh, in the forties, uh, you know he was uh, he was the favorite son. Everybody loved him, and uh, consequently, Rocky got to know every Gangster in the country, and uh, yeah, and the, and the gangsters loved Rocky, and, the, and much like uh, you know, you, you hear about uh, like a kid coming out of the ghetto or something, and you know, there's gang members. Uh, instead of hindering them, they try to help them, saying, you know, you, you make us proud, but we're going to keep you out of trouble. And that's basically with what, what most these gangsters, did. They, they kept Rocky clean. So Rocky fights gets done with it. He meets my father. He meets my uh, my uncle, who was actually a, a, a hitman back in the. Well, and Rocky, Rocky used to after he got out of fighting, he used to uh, try to make some money. He would lend money to people. He was like a uh, uh, kind of like a loan shark. But the problem was, uh, if people wouldn't pay him back, how's Rocky going to get the money back? You can't have the former heavyweight champion of the world coming and roughing you up, right? So this is where my uncle Frank Frato came into play. Whenever somebody wouldn't uh, pay Rocky up, he called my uncle Frank, and my uncle Frank made sure. That Rocky got his money back, and uh, and they became friends over the years. And then Rocky got close with my father. And uh, after he retired, he would come to Des Moines all the time, and he'd visit. I mean, I've got lots of pictures of me when I was a little kid, you know, hanging around the Rock and everything. Well, anyway, my father uh, got sick in uh, in uh, 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 September of uh, of 1967 and died uh, in November of 1967. And after my father died, my brother Frankie, who was a hell of an athlete himself, he played—he uh, was an all-state high school baseball and basketball player. Even though he was only five-six, actually went to college, played one year at Arizona State with uh, alongside Reggie Jackson, Rick Mundy, Val Bando. And uh, um, uh, after uh, after uh, my father died, my brother quit school, and kind of like in the Italian tradition, of the families—you know, my my oldest brother was already married. My brother Frankie's the second. He came back home. He's going to take care of the family. And that's what he did. He, uh, uh, he he did some things and and he got to get to know my father's friends. Well, one of them was Rocky Marciano and he, Frankie used to use Rocky for uh, promotional stuff. Frankie uh, was uh, uh, an insurance company in Des Moines and he would bring Rocky around to do promotional stuff for him. And even though there was a great difference in their age, Rocky was 46, Frankie was 21. They got to be pretty good friends. And, uh, what happened was, um, they actually, uh, they, they were doing some things together. They were in Chicago. They were going to fly commercial back home. We were going to have a surprise birthday party for Rocky at uh, the, uh, uh, what was called the Charcoal Room at the time, a, a, a bar, uh, restaurant on Indianola Road and 7th Street. Still there. The building's still there. And my uncle loaned it. My uncle Bill Randa. And we were going to sur- surprise Rocky, 46th birthday. All the Italian people are going to be there. We we're going to have a great time. And uh, we get a call from my brother, Frank, in Chicago, who that night actually called and I talked to him. And he had dinner that night. And I remember he was all excited. He said, I just had dinner over Andy Granatelli's house with uh, Ken Harrelson, the Hawk. Remember the Hawk play for uh, the Red Sox? Yeah. And I, remember telling, and I remember asking my brother, I said, uh, I said, Bob, uh, uh, wow, did you get an autograph? And my, I remember my brother telling me, don't worry, I'm going to be seeing a lot more of these guys. And so he said, but tell Tommy, my older brother, he says, we've gotten uh, instead of flying commercial, we've got a guy, friend of ours, of a friend, is going to have a guy fly us on a private plane home. And uh, so that was it. We were waiting for him on the private plane. And uh, what happened was, uh, as the story goes, the pilot was a great guy, he was trying to be helpful, really wasn't versed in, uh, in in night flying. Got into a very very bad, um, uh, buggy area. Couldn't read his, uh, uh, couldn't read his uh, the, the, the stuff for well to tell him where he was at. Thought he was 300 feet in the air. Well, first of all, they're flying over Newton. They're going to try to come to Des Moines. Knew they couldn't make it. So he thought he was 300 feet in the air, looking at his gauges. Says, I'm going to go into this cloud bank and, and try to land. Goes under the cloud bank. He's not 30 feet in the air. He's 30 feet in the air. Goes over a bunch of trees to get to into a landing. Finally brings the plane down. There's one tree. Wing catches the tree, catches a big stone fence uh, uh, that was made down there. Planes skids it to the fence. My brother and uh, the pilot thrown clear, but obviously they died on impact. Rocky stayed in the fuselage. And, and that was it. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, one of those things where it, it probably could have been avoided. I saw they had a thing not too long ago on TV talking about uh, – uh, airplane crashes that, that could have been avoided like uh, you know uh, John F Kennedy jr you know certain things like that and this is one of them this is one that didn't have to happen so uh, you know but you know, such as like
1: so, so, so how how were you uh, made aware of this what what happened well
2: we, we, I was we were at I, we were at the, the, uh, uh, the charcoal room at, the, at this restaurant and I can remember you know so funny I was 13 years old at the time. And it was a rough time for all of us. My, we, we lost our father not, you know, not, not less than two years before. So, you know, we're still kind of reeling from that. And I just remember being outside, excited that my brother was going to come home with the champ and we were going to spend some time together because we've done it before. And I remember just walking outside that day, you know, that night, and just looking into the sky going, God, it's, you know, it's pretty eerie out here. But, you know, they'll be home in a little bit. They'll be home in a little bit. And all of a sudden I remember going into the, uh, the restaurant and my brother's girlfriend's in the back room and she's crying and she's on the phone. And then you know, at that point, you, you put uh, put one on one together, and you saw it. You knew what happened, and then that was it. Then they finally just told me. You know, Frankie didn't make it, so you know, it sucks. Wow. Well,
1: and and yeah. this this may be the the best kept secret here in the state yeah. of Iowa. There are so few people yeah. that know yeah. that that crash occurred, and mm-hmm. and it occurred in Newton. And it yeah. was an effort to bring Rocky Marciano to this banquet, yeah. and and it just uh, it, it's just bizarre. And you lost your brother, uh, the yeah. pilot, and, and the champ. Now uh, I assume then that that somehow they tra- they transported uh, uh, Rocky's body back to his hometown then for the funeral there. Yeah. And, yeah, you yeah, had the had funeral to... for your brother and and the family of the pilot uh, here in Iowa yeah. too somewhere.
2: Yeah, it was at the Dunn's Funeral Home up on uh, on uh, um, uh, uh, Grand Avenue. And, and and very and very sad. To understand that you know just less than a year and a half earlier we had the same funeral there for my father. So it was like you know you, you talk about a you know, he a going kind of things, but it was one two punch. You know what I mean? Sure. My dad dies, like, oh God, and then and then you hear you got this this kid that just turned twenty two years old, it's got the you know, should have the world by the by the balls and then he's gone. And uh, you know, so it was yeah. And uh, it was sad. My my uh matter of fact my uh, my brother my older brother and uh two of my cousins had to uh drive to Newton that night to identify the body. And uh you know, we just just you was just you know, just surreal. I didn't talk about it to this day. It's surreal. And yeah, for a long time, no one knew anything about it. But uh, a, a couple of years ago, they finally uh, they finally did, did a Rocky Marciano dedication. And if you drive out that way now, they actually have a rock out there. It says Rocky Marciano on the rock. And they have a little thing there that talks about my brother and the pilot. And it's, a, it's a nice little thing that they finally put together. I mean, it took them almost 50 years to do it, but they did it. So it was nice.
1: And yeah, I've seen that the rock is right there. It kind of uh, right off of I-80. And it yeah. by the the museum there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I it's funny, I you know, I'm a good little Catholic boy, so uh anytime I go out of town and you're wrong, you've been in the car with me before and seen me do it. Uh anytime I, I go out of town if I was driving that way, once I got onto the underpass, which is also Highway Fourteen, I always made the sign of the cross and said a little prayer. Yeah. you know, I I did it and, and, and I'd always have to, you know, tell people that were in the car with me, Well what are you doing? And I would say, Oh, this is about where it happened and blah, blah, blah. And uh So now you know. Now, now, when if I go that way instead of being sign across, I just pull over and go go look at the rock.
1: How how? What percentage of people would you say live in Iowa that have no idea that that took place? Well,
2: you know, as we're getting older, sadly, uh, I think it's more and more. I mean, I I I don't think uh, God at this point. You know, I, I bet you 80% of the people that live here have no idea. I mean, yeah, it, because, you know, like the big, it, you know, it was almost 50 years ago. So, you know, or, or is it 50? Well, look, 1969, what are we talking? There's 31 and, yeah.
0: 52 no, or three years.
2: So, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's over 50 years that, that it's happened. So, yeah. Among most of the people that, that, that do remember it probably are senile and don't remember.
1: <laughs> there you go. So I know that you and Mark Johnson drove to yeah. the uh, and and had to walk to the walk yeah, us through what what that entailed and how you felt during that. Well, you know, we,
2: Mark, uh he's still on the funny bone. You know, we we used to talk about it quite a bit. You know, he always asked me how I felt and what, what it was about. And I remember one day, and this is quite a few years ago. This is probably thirty some years ago. He just asked me. He said, uh, "How do you feel about it? Well, how do you feel when you when you go and, and you know." Go by the spot. And I said, "Well, you know, I've never actually been where it happened." I said, I just... "So that day, I think I probably had a couple scotches in me, as you know." And I decided, you know what? I, I think I need some closure. So, uh, and that's what I did. Uh, we went. There. It was kind of funny because it was a, it was a, a cold day. It was a winter day. I don't know why we, we why we didn't go in the summer. It's beyond me. And we go up to the door and we knock on the door and this lady answers the door. It couldn't have been any better. And she says, "Oh yes, it happened back here." and and she says, "Go back down and look, and then you come back up." And I go, "Give you some cookies." And and I remember going down the hill, and it was kind of flick and everything. And you know, Mark's Mark Johnson's a bigger, a much bigger man than me. And there was at one point where I couldn't hold my balance, so I kind of got on his back, and I think I rode him all the way down the hill. <laughs> which uh, the lady, the lady must have been looking, going, "What the hell's going on there?" But uh, <laughs> you know, we went down there, and uh, you know, I, I and you know, I, I I knew what happened by the reports, and I'm just trying to piece it together exactly okay it came this way that this, there's it, it was just it was kind of weird to you know recreate a, 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 a an accident like that but that, that's what I did and, and, I, and I tell you it, it kind of helped it kind of helped because I, I always always wondered what uh, exactly what it was it was and it was sad in a way too because I think that my poor brother that's you know later well, Sure. yeah you know,
1: yeah but well now did they did they have any kind of a monument or uh, a plaque to, to commemorate the the, no. uh, the incident nope there was nothing that that was the whole thing that was just so crazy about it
2: all these years there was just nothing I mean they, oh it, it, there was if you go in there there's a there's a museum there they had a wrestling museum there and uh, right off the, right off the interstate there
0: right and,
2: uh, and now they've got and I don't know if they've had it before I know they had a little something. But now, if you go in the museum, uh, they've got like a piece of the plane. They got a they got a, a statue of Rocky, and so they got some stuff down, But I, I really don't know how long that's been now, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I every time I go by, I think about it. I don't stop it as much as I used to, but uh, you know, you can't help but to think about it every time I do go by.
1: Well it's you know, it's unfortunate if you go up to uh Clear Lake yeah. and you get directions, you can walk yeah. to the crash site there and they've got a monument there to kinda honor the the tragedy yeah. that took place there. It's unfortunate there isn't anything like that uh there in Newton that, that people <laughs> can know about yeah. it. Yeah. You know I think
2: part of the problem was around guy? I think part of the problem was uh when buddy holly died he actually was in his prime so i think it was like a major and i think that's the problem with rocky you know rocky was you know out of boxing for 15 years by the time this happened so you know what i mean it it, i don't think it had quite the impact uh, right because of the the fact he really wasn't in his prime and, and people kind of kind of had forgotten about
1: him at that point i think well, uh, I've been to Canastota, New York, where they have the yeah. Boxing Hall of Fame. Yeah, and yeah. and it's unfortunate that uh, that they there, uh, but perhaps they still could get behind a a uh, you know a, an event that would allow yeah. them to bring some kind of monument. Yeah. That, that detailed the the accident and and uh, a little story about it and yeah. and then uh some weekend do that and then bring some yeah. of the mementos they have there of rocky marciano and make a dedication of some sort yeah and, yeah. and I, it would I, allow I, I people to know more information about it and the fact yeah. that it took place right here and Central Iowa. Yeah, I think it's going to. Yeah, it's going to
2: take somebody that uh, some kind of a story and that really that that means something too. Because, like I said before, it's uh, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So, yeah, right. someone needs to uh, definitely. And and, there are, and I know there's people out there that you know that uh, really you know look at this kind of stuff and really want to you know honor the people that deserved it like he did. So you know, hopefully somebody will uh, step up.
1: Have there uh, been any, as far as you would know, has there been any effort for, uh, have you been contacted by anybody that would want to do some kind of a movie or they want to do a a book about all of these events, Uh, everything that led
2: to it or not? Yeah, well, that's the problem. They've had movies about it before, and there's been books about it before, and we've been contacted uh, every once in a while. They ask a couple questions I've but you know what the problem is? Is like, um, I don't know if you have ever seen any of these Rocky Marciano movies. The last one that was done was uh, with John Favreau, and uh, the, the movie it's so crazy. I mean, I mean, I, I you know you watch him and everything, but whenever they get to the end with uh, with what happened, they they always gloss over it. They always you know, I think one of the movies it had just him, uh, just getting on a plane. You see him in an airport, and he goes outside, and then that's the end of the movie. Then they have like the uh, you know the, the thing over that you see where it says Rocky Marciano was killed at night, blah, blah blah. But they never, you know, they never get into uh, uh, you know exactly what happened, or, or you know they don't have a character for my brother or anything like that. So, well,
1: and you know. it's it's similar to the Buddy Holly thing. You just see him yeah. and the rest of the guys getting on the plane and.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of sucks. You know, you watch it, you know, it. but on the other hand, I understand because, uh, you know, they don't want to get sued if they say anything wrong, but, you know, you always wonder what we, you know, they could have got a hold of us. They could have said something, but, you know, I think maybe they're scared of uh, getting sued or maybe they're scared that they'll we'll want some money out of it or, you know, you never know what they want. So,
1: Well, I remember... Years ago, I brought you a T-shirt from the uh, boxing Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it, since then, have you ever been out east enough to where you've gone to it?
2: No, I haven't, I, and I'd love to
1: too. But well, I I, 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 yeah. I went back to it uh, this last September. I was back yeah. east for a, a a high school reunion, and I went to yeah. it. and And I can yeah. tell you, if you go. It won't take long to go through it, Yeah. but it oh, yeah. is impressive. Uh, they do yeah. have a lot of stuff, and oh, uh, yeah. it, it's worth seeing. I'm, I'm wondering if uh, maybe we shouldn't get a hold of them and, and uh-huh. walk them through something like this, and maybe they'd be willing to sponsor some kind of dedication uh, out here. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd be for that. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. So, do no, you sure. know much about the pilot? I don't want to just. And, and of course, your brother uh, died in the accident as well. I don't yeah. want to just overlook oh. those two people. Well, I always felt sorry. I always felt bad about the
2: fact that uh, uh, you know, every time they talk about this, they talk about you know, especially in Iowa, they talk about Rocky, and then people remember my brother and my father. They talk about and the poor pilot. You know, and he's just you know, and, and sadly, I mean, he's always remembered as the guy that messed up. You know, right? But. Uh, he uh, kind of weird, and, and, and I'm not 100% sure this is exactly, but, um, yeah, he, he didn't have the flight construction, so that's what happened. But I, I remember a few years back, his son, who had the same name as him, Glenn Bells Jr., I believe, uh, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm you could probably look it up, I believe he was killed in a small plane crash, too. Where oh, really? He some, yeah, where, where he might have made a mistake also. Wow, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I never really have looked really into it, but I, I can remember at one time reading something about yeah uh, him him dying in a crash, thinking, "Wow, you know, what are the odds?" You know, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Willie, we sure appreciate you. We're talking to Willie Farrell, uh, comic from Des Moines, whose family. Uh, your dad, you alluded to it kind of vaguely, yeah. but but. Uh, uh-huh. In reality, your father, yeah. uh, originally from Chicago, may have had right. some involvement with uh, uh, the Mafia, if, if we're just going to uh, be blunt. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't say may have. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All but, right. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your, your family, your dad in particular, uh, his involvement uh, with the Mafia, and how it wasn't uh, a shock to you to sometimes come home and mm-hmm. see some of these celebrities at your house and that were yeah. uh, there at the uh, uh, urgence of your father and his involvement mm-hmm. with bringing some of these people to Des Moines. Yeah, well, it, it's uh,
2: my father grew up, uh, he was born in 1908 in Chicago, which on the west side of Chicago, which he grew up in an area that was called the Patch. And uh, uh, without saying anymore, he, he grew up in an area that probably produced some of the most notorious mobsters ever. And these were all kids he grew up with. Uh, uh, he grew up with a guy named Sam Giancana, who uh, if you knew anything about the Kennedys or you know, he was a big part of all that. A guy named Tony Accardo. Uh, we had a cousin named Milwaukee Phil Aldoricio. And, and, and these were what these guys were when they grew up in this area they actually had a gang uh, called the 42 gang There were 42 members. And their are so premise, these guys, all they wanted to do was growing up was to be in, in the outfit, which in Chicago is the equivalent of the mafia, which is, that's what, um, that's what Al Capone's gang was called. They were called the outfit. And uh, these kids all grew up just wanting to be, to work for Al Capone. They wanted to be in, in the, in the outfit. And, and that's where my father started. He started off just, uh, Doing whatever it could to to, uh, to impress Capone, as it, you know, as they would say back then, be an earner, make some money, and uh, get noticed by Capone. And My dad did get noticed by him, and uh, what happened was he worked for him. Things were going well. Uh, uh, there was a guy that was in Des Moines here by the name of Charlie uh, Charlie Joy. They called him Charlie Cherry knows Joy. He actually ran Des Moines in the thirties and uh, the, probably the twenties too. And uh, he was here for a while, and then he got in trouble and he went to jail. And when he went to jail, uh, my dad pretty much got promoted or demoted Christians in Des Moines, uh, uh, to take over this area. And my dad did. And, uh, and I like told Charlie, Joy, okay, you're done here. Well, joy didn't like it and, uh, c- kind of made a beef about it. and uh, Next thing you know, this poor guy got murdered. Um, and, and from hearing from my father, my father said he had nothing to do with it. Uh, it was, you know, orders from uh, up high anyway. So my dad came here in 1939, uh, I think in his mind, he was going to be here for a little bit and, you know, and, and do whatever he had to do to get himself back to Chicago. Well, he ended up meeting my wife, my, my, I mean, my, uh, my, his wife, my mother, uh, my mother's family is pretty prominent in Des Moines here too. My his, my mother's mother had a restaurant on the South side called Van Jennings, uh right down the street from uh, all the places uh, that, you know, where we grew up. And uh, Aunt Jenny's was the restaurant to be at back in the 30s and 40s. I like think uh, when the Drake Relays were in town, everybody went there. As a matter of fact, a regular there was Baturagan. Uh, he used to go there. Ah. Yeah, uh, when, when he was working for WHO. And uh, anyway, my father would go there, and he meets my mother and uh, falls in love and decides uh, Des Moines is not such a bad place to live. And uh, next thing you know, he decides, okay, I'm going to stay here. And uh, this is where I'm going to uh, do my thing. And he did. And he, he, he it was kind of like my blue heaven, you know, the old Steve Martin movie where, you know, I'm a hood, but uh, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to readjust myself. And uh, and, and it was kind of funny because my father never, he, he really wanted to be, uh, you know, part of the neighborhood and be like Ward Cleaver, but he just never, he just never was that guy. And uh, in our neighborhood, it was crazy because uh, my, our, our neighborhood consisted of nothing but my relatives. My mother's mother, who once again had the restaurant, had a lot of money. Did real well. She gave all of most of her kids plots in this one neighborhood.
0: Three minute where warning. I
2: lived, where I lived, uh, it was all my on my mother's side. It was all my aunts and uncles. It was like four uncles and three aunts and their husbands and wives. We all lived in the same neighborhood. And when I grew up, I mean, every house I went to was an aunt or uncle. And 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 in our family, which my father was. But, I mean, I can remember coming home and Jimmy Hoffa would be at the house. I can remember coming home seeing Rocky Marciano. I can remember coming home one day and uh, uh, five of the largest black guys I've ever seen were in the driveway playing basketball with my brother Frankie. because of a Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, yeah. and the reason for that had nothing to do with being a gangster. Uh, my dad also grew up in this area he grew up with. Uh, there was a, a, one of the kids that grew. he grew up with there was a kid by the name of Abe Saberstein. And Abe was the one that... Uh, uh, founded
0: the Harlem workshop. Yeah. Hey, we got a couple minutes left. What's that? Couple minutes left all we got.
2: Okay. Well, well there you go. so anyway, so my dad was uh yeah, he was like a fish out of water, but he he loved it here
1: and wanted his family to to uh, grow up here and uh and we did. And uh you know There you okay, go. Okay, wait, wait. Willie, let me interrupt. Uh let's let's uh put a cap on this and then we'll come back. And we'll finish the discussion and that'll end up being part two of our, our podcast. Okay. You
0: got it. No so, problem. That sounds good. Well, you've been listening to Willie Fredo Farrell, uh, just riveting stuff, keeping us on the edge of our seat. Uh, we'll call this part one. Stay tuned for part two. Welcome back to round guy, the podcast, as we, uh, <laughs> Uh, as we're talking to Willie Fredo Farrell, one of uh, Round Guy's best friends. It's been so fascinating. Uh, as often happens, as we, when we get the ball rolling, we, we can't get it done in one episode. So, uh, Steve, take over for part two and just let's keep this, this fascinating train going.
1: We are uh, tickled to have as our guests for part two of this conversation, Willie Fredo Willie Farrell. Mm -hmm. Willie, you and I have worked uh, Vegas. We've worked Atlantic City and all for the state of Iowa. I never uh, tire of visiting with you and your upbringing. Fascinating uh, upbringing uh, that so many people can relate to because they never went through anything like this. But your father, uh, a little bit of the uh, involvement with the Cosa Nostra. There you go that allowed you to uh, have some insight into a lot of things. Most kids only dream about Yeah. when when we last spoke, you were talking about the Harlem Globetrotters playing basketball in your driveway. Yeah. And I know you got a number of other stories similar to that and, and uh, finish up with the Harlem Globetrotters and then be sure and, and uh, tell us about the cast of Bonanza. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, Abe Saverson came
2: to town and uh, uh, he stops at our house and uh, he brings the wolf trotters and it's so funny because I walked in the house and my mother was this little Italian lady and she's just doing the dishes and she's always just always looking out the window and I said, him, "Mom, who who is that?" She says, "Oh, that's friends of your father's." I mean, it, 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 it was just nuts. I mean, it's like okay. Anyway, and my dad, see, my dad was very involved with those kids. I mean, which it was kind of weird because he really didn't know how to really react with children, but he tried his best. So he was one of the ones that helped start the the South Des Moines Little League that my brothers played in and I played in. And uh, at one point, it was going very well. As a matter of fact, my dad actually had – we were one of the first Little Leagues in the state to have uh, lights at night. And my dad was instrumental in getting the lights put in. Also had a a, a saying put on the the outfield fence that said, a boy in sports stays out of courts. That was my father's saying, which – you know, other you know people in our neighborhood were like, well, why would your boy be in court? You know, but uh-huh. so we just let him. Yeah, but that was something to him. So anyway, uh, one of the things he wanted to do to raise money for not only our little league but for all the little leagues around the uh, state and the city was to have a big uh, 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 carnival and parade. And one of the things uh, that they were going to do in the parade was bring in celebrities. And uh, my dad thought this was great. We're going to get some celebrities in. And he did. And he brought in, uh, he brought in, uh, not only uh, he brought in the, the Cisco kid, who was big at the time in the early 60s, and Michael Landon, who everybody knows The Little House on the Prairie, but at this time he was Little Joe on Banana. Uh, and he came in, and Michael Landon was great. He was shaking hands and kissing babies, and, you know, doing everything he's supposed to do. Well, at one point, uh, uh, somebody came to him and said, Okay, Michael, we're having a parade tomorrow, and we want you to ride in the parade and wave at the people and. And uh, uh, apparently, Michael Landon uh, at the time said, "I'm not, I'm not riding no fucking prayer." <laughs> and uh, I remember as a kid being in my house, somebody coming to my father and saying, uh, "Mr. Landon does not have no problem signing autographs, shaking hands, not writing any prayer." And I remember my dad saying, "Where is he? Let me talk to him." My dad goes in the other room, and uh, flash forward to the next day, Michael Landon's on the back of this Cor- Corvair. Waving his hand like he's <laughs> trying, yeah. trying to trying uh, to wave down a plane on a lost island. <laughs> he's just waving <laughs> away. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he he was. He what, in the what, what, Willie, what do you suppose changed his mind? <laughs> uh, 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 with the old uh, the old Godfather, he, I, I believe my father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. <laughs> I think that's exactly it's uh, 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 so always so, yeah. yeah. That's, that's fabulous. You know, I, I can remember one time. You know, there's all kinds of weird things. I, I can remember
1: being in our house,
2: and uh, my dad would say, come on, kids, we're, you take me and Johnny." he said, we're going to go out to this park, and you could, kids could run around park. And I never understood that, because we had right next to our house, we had a baseball field. So, but he would like to take us to this one park, Thomas Park. And me and my brother, we'd be there. And uh, my dad would go, and he'd say, go run around. Run. And we would just, uh, why, why can't we just stay home? Anyway, what he would do is he would stand by a pay And the payphone would ring. Every time I was there, the payphone would ring. And I go, well, how in the hell does he know? But that's how he would get his phone calls because
1: our phone was always
2: tapped. Ah, wait for the payphone to ring. And as as a kid, I just didn't understand. I'm thinking, why why is he doing that? And uh, like people always say, did you know your dad was a a mob guy? And I said,
1: all I remember
2: as a child was the payphones. And I remember we never waited in line anywhere. (laughs) <laughs> Everywhere we went, we got in. And uh, and I, one of my last memories of my father, and as I look back on it, at the time, I couldn't understand it because I was, you know, you know, uh, 11 years old. But now that I look back, uh, in 1967, a movie came out. I'm sure you remember. It was called The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh, yeah. And this one starred uh, Jason Robards as Al Capone. Now, we go to the movie theater, the Paramount downtown. Our family, all of us. Now understand, Des Moines is a small town that everybody knows who Luther is. So we're going. First of all, we stopped at Babe's restaurant next door. Babe's with the who was Babe was my dad's good friend. My he was best man at my dad's wedding. Uh, he was also um, godfather to my brother Frankie. So we knew Babe well. We'd go to Babe's. We would eat, and then we would go over to to watch the movie. Now understand, everybody's just eyes all on him, all eyes on my dad. And we go and sit down to watch this movie. And my dad, he had no indoor voice. And he really, you know, whatever he said, he said. I remember he's like watching the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And he's saying shit like, well, that guy wasn't even there. Uh, So, uh, (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) So,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was part of the growing up period. Now, uh, you also have an item autographed by Bobby Kennedy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Everybody has autographs of Bobby Kennedy.
2: Uh, I have, but they're, they're on subpoenas. Back when Bobby Kennedy was, uh, uh, uh attorney general, uh, um, he, he got him and my father did not get along at all. And, uh, and, and, and Bobby Kennedy was one of the ones when, and everybody knows the story is, uh, you know, why, what happened with the Kennedys? Well, Joe Kennedy was a bootlegger. He was, he was as much of a gangster as any of these guys. And, uh, what happened was he enlisted the mob to help get his son elected. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, if, if you go back in history, if, if, if uh, John F. Kennedy doesn't win Cook County in Chicago, he probably doesn't win the presidency. He probably goes to, to Nixon. And after they got him elected, he, he, makes his, he makes his brother attorney general, and his brother turns around and says, I'm going to put all these guys in jail now. So, and uh, yeah, and he told my father at one of these hearings, I don't care if I hook or by crook, you're going to jail. And, 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 he was a man of his word because my father was under indictment uh, at the time he died. So yeah, he would, he would, if my dad wouldn't have died, he would have probably did some time.
1: So you have a subpoena signed yeah. by Robert Kennedy. Right.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: That was to go to your, and it was involving your dad. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Basically telling my dad to appear in court. <laughs> That's
1: what it was. So. Now do you have just one, or it sounds like there might be several. There, there was several.
2: My, my brother Johnny had most of them. So I, you know, my brother passed a few years back, so
1: we've been trying to locate where where everything's at at this point. And and you once told me that, that of the numerous books surrounding the assassination of, of, of President Kennedy, yeah, there's one book where you're, or maybe more than one. Uh, there's it mentions your dad. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's, he he was mentioned. As a matter of fact, that you could go, he could probably go on YouTube and. Uh, there's a, uh, one of the Senate Crime Committees. I believe it was either I think it was McClellan worked. Uh, Robert Kennedy is uh, grilling my father, and uh, he's asking him all these different questions. Some of them, you know, and a lot of times they would ask these, these gangsters questions just to get him to talk. And my father was one of those people who just kept taking the Fifth Amendment. One of the questions they asked him was, "Was he a boxer back in his youth?" Which he was, uh, but my dad refused to answer. He just took the Fifth Amendment. Uh, uh, and, and then another question was, uh, do you know Jimmy Hoffa? And uh, Which, obviously, he did. But my father, once again, just took the Fifth Amendment, would not talk. And, uh, yeah. That was, yeah. And, and Kennedy hated him for it. And Kennedy hated all those guys. So, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 Which, you know, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. If you're going to work with, with uh, you know, the, the mafia to help yeah. get you a, a, elected, Around and become aggressive and try to yeah. get them all thrown in jail. it yeah. just doesn't make sense. Well, it
2: didn't work out well for them either. So <laughs> right, right. Well,
1: so, there you go. Yeah, but you're saying there could have been a parade, a presidential parade through Des Moines, oh, which which would have been yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I,
2: I, Well, I mean you you watch the uh, you look at like the uh, any story on Sinatra. I mean. Frank Sinatra did everything he could to get that guy elected, and Bobby Kennedy turned around and you know and and basically ruined his friendship uh, Sinatra's friendship with uh, JFK. So you know, yeah, yeah. basically the Kennedy uh, the Kennedys, and I don't think it was so much JFK as it was his brother and his dad, but you know they basically just used these people to get what they wanted. And once they got it, they tried to throw everybody away. You know, and uh, and and they paid for it. I mean, you know, it's you know what happened to him was sad.
1: We all know how that turned out.
2: Yeah, not well. Not well at all, well.
1: Willie. If you could uh, climb into a time machine mm-hmm. and go back to any event, yeah, uh, you could. What? What do you? Well, and I know you're an avid sports fan. Yeah. I know you're a history buff. Uh, yeah. What What event would you want to go back to and be an eyewitness to? Wow, that's that, that's a that's a good one. Um,
2: jeez, let me think. I, I mean, I I, I there's there, there's a long list. I mean, uh, I would love to see a, a, a Marciano when he knocked out Walcott. I would like to be in the front row of that. I'd like to see the the, the knockout when Ali knocked out uh, Liston. I, I I mean, and it's funny because I mean, I'm, in, I'm a, my favorite sports baseball, but I just picked two boxing ones, but. Uh, um, Baseball. I mean, who wouldn't want to go see? When did Babe Ruth really call the shot against the Cubs? I mean, uh, there's there's a million of them, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind going all the way back and seeing what what an actual real. Uh, I'd like to see how Spartacus did back in the old uh, Coliseum. I mean, uh, to see uh, one of those
1: things. What would you? Yeah. See, right? What would you want to? Well, I I've got several. It, yeah. I have to. Uh, I'd I'd like to go back in time and see the Beatles live. Okay, yeah. I uh, yeah. I too would like to go back to a, uh, a Yankee Stadium and watch uh, Babe Ruth hit one or two or three out. Yeah. Uh, you
2: know, I, I I think you know when you talk about it, I, I was just going sports wise, but if you were talking other kind of entertainment, I I would love to have been in the early 60s at the fans to see the Rat Pack. That the Rat been, Pack, sure. Yeah. yeah, that would have been something to
1: watch, I think. You know, the thing you can always, when you think about the Rat Pack, and you can think about a number of different things relative to those guys, yeah. uh, the fact that at that time when segregation was mm-hmm. prominent, yeah. I I know there's stories about how Sinatra refused to work anywhere that exactly. wouldn't would treat Sammy Davis Jr. Right. Like they treated all those other guys. Yeah. You know, what's crazy though is
2: uh, if you listen to some of those albums, which I've listened to a million times, if you just go by, if you were just listening to the albums and didn't really know the, you know, the content between them, I probably would piss some people off. I mean, the fact that, you know, a Sinatra used to call Sammy Smokey, which had nothing to do with his color, but it had to do with the fact that he smoked a lot of cigarettes. Or uh, and everybody's seen the one scene, which I don't—they probably have taken it off the air, so you can't watch it anymore. Where Dean Martin picks up Sammy Davis Jr. and says, "I'd like to thank the Double the damn Double ACP for this award." know. <laughs> yeah, I and, and, and you see, I mean, nowadays he'd be so canceled. But you know, these guys loved each other. You know what I mean? And. uh you know, that was back in the time when you could kind of kid around and, and, and know that, you know, the, the, the love and respect went beyond whether you said
1: something that, uh, you know, hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree. With you. you could tell that it wasn't with any kind of malice. No, you know, that, not at all. That they were just so fond of one another they could get away with kidding each exactly. other like that. And, and like you said, I mean, the fact that Sammy and
2: Davis Jr. understood the, the the things that, you know, and Sinatra never put it out there. He never said, hey, I did this for this guy, I did that for this guy. He just did it, and Sammy knew that, and,
1: and you know, that's why he probably you know, could take the kidding like that. Was like, this guy loves me, what this guy's done for me, you know. I saw uh, recently a special about uh, Sammy Davis Jr., yes. and in some of those situations, he made those jokes about himself.
2: Yeah.
1: And oh, yeah. and uh, Sinatra and Dean Martin, these guys would kind of then follow up with a, another a tease, another comment, you know, te- just oh, teasing. Yeah. Well,
2: there, there's, there's a couple of things where uh, uh, one time they, uh, Dean Martin introduces them and, and he says, thank you, Frank. And, and he says, well, that, that was Dean. He goes, oh, I can't, I can't tell those guys apart. And, uh, right. and, and then he, he said that they were talking about, uh, uh, something. They sing the song. He said jujitsu or something like that. And of course, Sammy was half Jewish, and uh, and then Sammy comes back with a, a wopsicle, you know. And uh, you know, and they're like, hey, hey, you can't say that. But they're laughing and joking. I mean, you know what I mean? They when people understand each other, respect each other enough to where it's like, okay, we're having fun with this. No one's getting hurt. now, right. And now you can't, you can't even begin to get to that point.
0: The funniest thing that ever.
1: You know, the whole society has changed at this point,
0: hasn't it? Yeah, it has. You and I
1: being on stage and telling jokes, Uh, you know, 20 years ago, uh, we could tell them with with, uh, laughter in in the response, but today they boo you. I know, exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Foster Brooks uh, um, roasting uh, Sammy Davis Jr. on the Dean Martin roast is the funniest thing i have ever seen in my life
2: yeah yeah i mean yeah it's it's yeah it's changed i don't know what else to
1: what else what do you what do you see willie as the change uh is it about as changed up and and as uh constant as we're gonna see it or is it gonna get worse I, I, you know what, I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm I'm hoping some people, I mean, some of the bigger stars, like the
2: Dave Chappelle's and stuff, you know, uh, they're, they're, you know, and, and you're seeing people come back that you thought were canceled, that, you know, like everybody thought you were going to see the end of Lewis. He's back doing his work. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully that all oh, that loses its sting. I mean, I, I hope it does. You know, i, I tell you, I, uh, the one thing I like about Vegas is um, when I get on stage out there, I, I could still – you know, if I have a row full of uh, you know a, a bunch of African Americans, or if I have a you know if I have a couple of gay people in the front, and, and we poke in front of each other and we laugh, and you know what I mean, it, it's like the old times sometimes. You know, it, it, no one's really you know. It's so funny. I remember one time I, I had a guy in the front row, a black guy in Vegas, and I was just picking on him, and he was dying. And there was a girl next to him, like a 23 year old Karen, sitting next to him. And she's basically like, you can't talk to him like that. And I mean, and I finally looked at this guy and I said, will you do me a favor? I said, what? I told her to shut the fuck up. And she did, <laughs> and, the crowd, and the crowd went nuts. And it was, you know, it was perfect. So, you know, that's, that's what you got to hope. You got to hope people start policing each other. And, uh, you know, let's let's have some thick skin and let's let's get back to, you know, being able to get right. each other. Let's right. get back to what Lenny Bruce, you know, uh, the, the cost him his career over. You know what I mean? He was the what one he- that said... Words are only words. Let's let's go. So right, we'll he
1: opened the door for a lot of us.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: But say, exactly. speaking of Vegas, I know you got a gig coming up there. Tell our listeners who may be headed that way yes. and, and might have a chance to see you.
2: I will be at now. It's no longer the Stratosphere, Robert. brown guy. Mm-hmm. It's called the Strat now, and they've remodeled oh. the whole place. And as a matter of fact, the club I'm working actually is going to be a brand new club in January. Down on the first floor, it's called the L.A. Comedy Club, which, you know, back in the day, I would work a club and all I had to say is I'm going to bring a guy with me and they'd say, bring him on. And you come with me and we'd have a good time. But right. now they have so many local comics that you can't do that anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, we got a guy here that's going to do it. we have to give him a room. But uh, it'll be the L.A. Comedy Club at the Strat. I will be there February 28th through March 7th. Perfect. And is that a one show a night deal or is yeah, two yeah. show Okay. Oh, you know me, round guy. I don't. I ain't doing more than one. I can't. Uh, that's why I don't work at a lot of the other clubs. A lot of the other clubs all do two shows a night. I I can't. I ain't doing two. So it's one show at eight o'clock. It's cool. The room is really nice, and they have uh, they work it all night. There's a six o'clock show with a guy named uh, Michael James. That's uh, he's a redneck a magician who's uh, hilarious, and then we have an eight o'clock show, which is our show. And then ten o'clock, there's a, a resident there, Butch Bradley, and uh, then they do other residents like uh, Brent Ernst does the show there. That Samuel Camier, whoever his name was, the guy that won uh, America's Got Talent, that's uh, he's um, he's got something wrong with him. He's got a show there, so there's a bunch of they, they they work the club, you know, they keep it busy all the time. So it's a great atmosphere. I
1: love it. Isn't it's- it the Strat where they have the the uh, impersonators? Yeah, uh, yeah, they they uh, they did, uh, but now they have a they have a Michael
2: John uh, Michael Jackson uh, review. The Strat's also the place where these people are out of their minds. They bungee up the side of the top of it, and they have a roller coaster that goes right around. Know, yeah, they understand the stratosphere, the needle part of it, it's the tallest standing structure uh, west of the Mississippi. So I mean, it's you know, it's it's unbelievable, and uh, they have a restaurant up there that revolves. It's really great, but. Uh,
1: yeah, I've, I've, I've done the re- the restaurant, and it was the yeah. best meal I've ever had in yeah, a restaurant in my good. life. Very good. And then I did I, the, I, I did the I roller coaster on the, uh, yeah. on the top, and it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I need
2: to get you back on the road with me again. Just, uh, you know, one more time. Me and you. Our
1: farewell days. tour. You got it, buddy. I would love to. I'm going to make that happen. The first of our 15... Farewell tours together. Exactly. Just keep going. Keep them coming, just, baby. Just like Kiss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Willie, I uh, always enjoy talking to you and hearing your stories. I hope the folks listening in enjoyed our our uh, two part conversation, and they can catch up with you at the Strat in Vegas. Yes. You said uh, the end of February, first part of March. You got it, buddy. And and uh, anywhere locally here coming up, uh,
2: nothing nothing really uh, look like I've got some corporates coming up, but no uh, actually no uh, uh, club gigs. I'm I'm going to be on uh, New Year's Eve. I'm going to be up at the Running Aces Casino up in uh, Minneapolis. Okay, so that's I'll a little closer than Vegas. Yeah, I mean, a little closer, and I'll be there uh, New Year's Eve for two shows. Perfect, Willie.
1: Go. God bless you. I love you, buddy. I love you, too. Continued success, and I hope we do get a chance to work down the road, okay? I'll make it happen, man. I love you. All right, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.